So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word to our hearts this morning, God. Lord, we want to receive, not from man, Lord God, Lord, but from you, Father God. Lord, we're here because our heart's desire is to hear the living God speaking to our hearts and to our souls. So we pray that, Lord, our ears would just be open to your voice. Father, right now, we just pray every distraction would be gone. Lord, every hindrance, everything this week that we've been maybe wrestling with, we just come before you and we pray, Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, we don't want to just hear another message. We want to be impacted by your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can live changed lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I've been told by my wife, actually by me, to start my stopwatch so that I don't go over time. This is for you guys, just saying. (laughs) I listened to my last message. I don't know if you've ever listened to a recording of yourself. And the first thing was, I was like, oh, do I sound like that? And the second thing was, I was like, man, it was 40 minutes long. Oh, the suffering. <laughs> Sorry. So no one told me. Like, no one came up and said, great message, but it was way too long. We love you, Pastor. So I'm actually starting this now so that at 30 minutes, you guys can be blessed and freed. So, yeah, let's get into this. So, we're going to share, Pastor Tuck's been sharing about all in. Who's loved the messages about being all in? And I've really enjoyed it uh, and that. And, um, you know, I think I love the idea of being all in. It's so powerful, uh, as we heard even from Tushar about the message of the cross. Christ is all in. But I know that a lot of us, after two months of hearing a great um, all in message, two months later we can go, I'm all in, but I haven't changed. And nothing has changed in my life. Uh, and I feel this morning just to share about Christ-like habits, because I feel like sometimes when our habits change, we actually change in our life, and therefore we can be a little bit more all-in than we were before. So I just want to speak about this whole area of having Christ-like habits and making steps towards being all-in. So a study from Duke University back in 2006 found that up to 45% of all of our daily behaviors are automatic. 45%. So let me say that again. You spend, everyone in this room spends, hello, oh, you're very cute. Can I take you home? Yes, I can. Um, we spend one out of every two minutes doing something that you're not even aware of. I know this because of my day. So I wake up at about 6 a.m. <laughs> or earlier, depending, uh, and I make coffee for Katie and myself, and I don't even think about it. Literally, I might, like I don't even think what's happening. My body just moves and then I get dressed, and then I walk to the coffee machine, and I just start operating. Then I go to the fridge, and I get the milk out. And after 20 minutes or so, I've got coffee ready for both. But I haven't even clicked in yet. Like, my brain's not even on. My body's just following a set of patterns and behaviors. And so I know that a lot of our behavior through the day just happens like that automatically. So we are people of habits. We're creatures of habits. We have food habits. Butter chicken Tuesday, fish and chip Friday, roast lamb on Sunday. Oh, stop thinking about lunch. Bad habits. We have good habits. You guys probably have some habits here. So there's some weird habits. Um, picking your nose, cracking your knuckles. Who does that? Um, biting your nails, reading, reading the back of a shampoo bottle while in the shower. Apparently people do that. Has anyone ever done that? Actually, I think I've done that before. Speeding in your car, <clears throat> texting while driving. Ooh. Always putting $20 in at the petrol station. Apparently that's a weird habit. Um, so there's good habits, and then there's bad habits. Say bad. 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 Oh, bad. <laughs> Sorry. 
meant to say bad like a sheep. So most of us know that smoking is bad for our health. <coughs> or getting to the gym is a good idea. Um, and we often say about others, oh, that so-and-so has a bad habit of turning up late. But to be followers of Christ and to be all in for Jesus, all in for the all in all, I believe we need to have these Christ-like habits. And there's a lot of good habits out there, but I just want to highlight seven today that will help you start thinking about habits that are going to help you actually move closer to being all in. So some of them you're going to love, others of them you're going to like, and others of them you're going to go, thank you, Pastor. That's great, Pass. So we're just going to go through them. And hope, my hope is that some of these speak to you more than others, but yeah. So the first habit I want to share about is, uh, the first habit is pray every day. And before you say, oh, not another message about prayer, let me just take a little bit of a different angle on prayer. So I've been reading a book by Paul Miller on prayer recently, and he had some really good things to say about prayer. And Paul Miller, he's, um, he's an author and he's a teacher, uh, and he has six kids. So I like him already. And he's got one of his kids has autism. And so he shares in this book about his story about his kids. And, uh, you know, he, his daughter with autism, when she used to wake up at like 4, 5 a.m. in the morning, and she used, to, she used to make all these noises and stomp in the room and down the hallway. And for years, <laughs> sounds like my life, for years he's like, oh, you know, and he'd go up and he'd be like, be quiet, be quiet, you can't do this. Uh, and then one day he realized, he's like, man, you know what, I can't even fight this. Like I just, and so he decided, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray with her. And so he used to get up early hours in the morning when she used to be making these funny noises in the hallway and he'd say, okay, we're going we're gonna to pray together. And so they'd walk down the hallway and he'd start praying. And that began this habit in his life of praying at early hours in the morning with his daughter and praying together. And he didn't know this, but this would be the foundation that God was building in his life just for all the things that God was going to bring him through. Uh, and now he authors all these books and he does all this stuff, but he often traces it back to something that he saw as a big distraction and a problem and an issue in his life. He turned it around and he started looking at it and going, man, actually I just need to use this time well and I need to pray with her, and, uh, and I found that really good, and he talks about this thing of childlike faith when it comes to prayer, childlike prayer, uh, and I have children, four of them to be exact, uh, and children's conversations with adults are so much different than adult conversations with adults, if you know what I mean. So when kids talk to adults, they're honest, and they tell you what they think of your dinner. They yell at you when they're upset and they're grumpy. Their minds race from one thought to another thought to another thought to another thought to another thought. And eventually, if they talk too much, they end up falling asleep in some unusual position on the couch. Does that describe anyone's prayer life right there? Just saying. So, and then there's this other list that kids also teach us, I reckon, about prayer when it comes to childlikeness. Children like to get up early most of the time. They speak their minds and they jump from subject. They're not afraid to ask. And ask, and ask, and ask, and ask. And then they'll ask, and then they'll keep asking, and they keep asking. Children, <laughs> speaking from the heart, children, uh, they want to be close. Or as my four-year-old daughter puts it, cuddles. They want to be close when it comes to being childlike. And third, lastly, kids know that mum and dad can help. They can provide, they can care, and they can do for them what they cannot do for themselves. So there's all these lists of childlike qualities when it comes to prayer that I think are really important when it comes to how we engage in prayer. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes you can look at prayer and be like, prayer is always a serious thing. You know, I've got to get up and I've got to pray from this time to this time. 
and we can make it this big managerial thing in our life that we've got to structure in. And, you know, if that works for you and you're seeing answers, awesome. But if it doesn't work for you, maybe you need to look at the way you're doing your prayer life and think, actually, what is this childlike prayer life actually like? Sometimes we need to be really honest with ourselves and make good habits with prayer. So we've been going for prayer walks recently as the weather's got better. Uh, we take shifts a little bit and we just go out for 20 minutes um, just down the road around the neighborhood before the day starts, trying to actually get into a routine of walking and praying. And I've found it really, really helps. Um, but, you know, for you, maybe you just want to take Jesus' plain and simple advice, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room. I think there should be a scripture on this one that can come up. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. So I have a question for you, church, City Cavics. Who has a room? Ooh, not many. <laughs> Who has a door on your room? This may depend on what culture you are, just saying. Uh, <clears throat> so if you've got a door and you've got a room, then you qualify for this verse. And the thing is, if I ask you, honestly, how many of you went in, and I'm asking myself, to your room, closed your door, and prayed to God, and took Jesus' advice? I wonder how many hands would go up. And I'm not trying to guilt trap anyone. I'm just saying, sometimes his advice is so simple, but yet we don't actually do it. And I think sometimes Jesus has got some great things when it comes to prayer, and that's one of them. And if any of these habits you forget this week, just remember this one habit. I'd like to say that. Go into your room, close the door, and spend some time with God in prayer. Cool, prayer. Number two, every day read the Word of God and obey what God is talking to you to do. You know, as Kiwis, we're brought up to believe that if you eat wheat bits in the morning, you will likely end up in the All Blacks. Amen? Does anyone agree with that? Just saying. You watched the game last night. Sorry, Australia. Oh, man, good to... Let's not talk about Auckland and Canterbury, but it was a good game. And, uh, man, they are just amazing. Amazing. Oh, it was good. Um, but I, like, I used to grow up, and I always used to watch my dad reading his Bible in the morning. He's a builder. He used to get up early, and at 5 or 6 a.m., he'd be there eating his porridge and reading his Bible. And it just imprinted on me this memory of always seeing my dad praying regularly, and uh, it wasn't just something that he had to do, he wanted to do it, uh, and it's inspired me to have a habit of praying every day, but uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, so if you want to be equipped for life's challenges, I can I encourage you, be a student of the word. Learn what it says and do what it says. And it's not so much about how much you read. Honestly, like Katie and I were talking about this the other day, and we were talking about how there's probably places in the world where they may only know a handful of scriptures, but they do them. You know, they know those scriptures, and they might be working those scriptures out. And so for them, their spiritual temperature's up here because they know a few scriptures and they're doing those scriptures. And the danger, as we've been hearing from Pastor Tark in the Western world, is we know all these scriptures, but we actually do maybe only a few of them. And so the obedience starts declining while the knowledge starts increasing. And I think that can be such a trap. We do. We deceive ourselves. But I reckon one of the things here is we just need to get into a habit of going, God, what's one thing? What's one thing you're saying to me today through the word of God? And how can I do something with it? Number three. Don't shoot me for this one. Number three is a good habit is eat a good diet and exercise 
regularly. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Oh, many of us know, oh, many of you know, I bought an e-bike recently. And don't worry, I don't have a long story about my e-bike. I just love talking about my e-bike. <laughs> but I sold my car, bought an e-bike, and I've started biking to work. And one of the reasons was, honestly, was just to try and fit exercise into my routine daily or by every other day or every third day, depending on how uh, motivated I am. But I just found I needed to take a step. Otherwise, it just wasn't happening. Uh, and I was just talking with um, one of our staff the other day on the way driving somewhere, and he was just telling me about how you know, he'd felt really led to join the gym and just start going twice a week. Uh, you know, the doctors said to him, hey, you've really got to, you know, look after your health. Uh, and and, that. and I, was just, I was encouraged by the fact that, you know, sometimes when we hear a bad report, we don't do anything with it. But just the courage he had to actually go out and do something about it and take responsibility for that. Uh, and I don't know about you, but you've driven past, like, Carl's Jr. recently. They've got this thing called the quad stacker. Has anyone seen that? Like, this thing is, ma it's got four quads, four layers of cheese and meat, and there's nothing else in it, like, except a bun. And I, don't, I was just like, wow, that thing, that looks amazing. Oh, I had this moment of weakness where it's just like, I need you in my life. But it was like, oh, it was huge. And I thought, man, there's so many things trying to glare down our eyes, saying, you need this, you want this, you, you should have this. Um, so I want to look at this from a slightly different angle, but 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you know, not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I was thinking about that little scripture where it says, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I've been reading through Samuel recently, and that talks a lot about the, the temple that Solomon built. And man, when you start reading about this temple, right, it's not just any old, like, uh, three-bedded apartment. Like, this is the temple of all temples. And um, I started reading it. So First Kings, it's not up on the scripture, but just let me read you this and get a picture in your mind. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. And in verse 20 of First Kings 6, he overlaid the inside with pure gold. And he also overlaid the altar of cedar with gold. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold and he extended gold chains from across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold and he also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. Lots of gold. There's just gold everywhere through this temple. And the reason that there's all this gold is not so much about the building, but it's about what it was hosting. You know, and even God points out to Solomon, hey, that's great, you built me a building, but actually, where's your heart? But, you know, all of that work went into this temple that could host God's presence, that could host God, uh, his manifest presence into that temple. And that's the same as us. You know, God put all this work into us so that we, he can, we can host his presence in our lives. And uh, I was reading something the other day that said, you know, something to consider is our bodies must be kept holy. Our bodies must be kept as whose they are and for his use and for God's residence. You know, and it would be a shame to think that because of a lack of just what we do with our bodies, that God can't take up residence for areas in our lives. So I'm not a big health person, but I do know that when God prompts you to do something about your health, you need to respond to that because that might be a barrier or something where you're not honoring God with those areas in your lives. And there's many health apps and other ways to do all of that sort of stuff. And I encourage you to check that out. But the key thing there is honor God. Honor him with what you're doing in that. You're going to like this next one. Number four. Get proper sleep every day. Does anyone like this one? 
get off asleep every day. You may think, how is that even spiritual? Wow, let me show you. Human beings need sleep. Amen? How can you be all in for God when you're so tired all the time and you walk around, oh, I'm so tired. We need proper sleep. It's proven. Studies have shown it everywhere. You know that we, we all know that we need sleep. First uh, Samuel 17, 20 says, So David rose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies uh, and went as Jess had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. It's a great verse. This is how I reckon it could read quite differently if David had terrible sleep. <clears throat> you can put it up. So David arose lazily, left the sheep with no one but the goats, completely forgot about the supplies his father Jess had commanded him to take. He got there late and went to the wrong camp, joined in quickly while they marched out, realized he was with the wrong army and started to cry. (laughs) So I don't know which verse you like, but I know that if David had terrible sleep, that could have been his outcome rather than actually doing what God wanted him to do. And you may think, man, this doesn't apply, you know, how's this even biblical? The reality is that, you know, we are the light in this world. God has asked us to be salt and light. And sometimes, you know, the little things can tell the biggest picture about the story of God. When we walk around tired and grumpy and we haven't, you know, prioritized some of those things to live a healthy life and to sleep well, it can send a pretty good message to people uh, around us about how we treat our lives and what we do. And, uh, and, you know, this one takes real intention, Natalie, especially if you've got kids that are the same. But I believe that, you know, this is something God wants us to do well. Uh, our bodies, they rebel in different and unwanted ways when we don't get enough sleep. When we are tired, we are less productive at work, less motivated to pray, less motivated to treat each other well. We can get snappy. <laughs> we can get feisty. Some of you probably even yell, not me, just some of you, I don't know, some people here. Uh, We can be, uh, the truth is we're more productive when we get more sleep. You know, we need to go to bed on time. Give yourself a curfew if you need to. Turn the lights out when you need to. Turn off the laptop. Turn off Netflix or Fortnite or whatever game you're into or whatever you're doing. Turn it off and get some sleep. Is Is that, amen? Do we agree? Oh, we maybe don't agree. Okay, okay. Well, let me put it from what King David said. Psalm 4 verse 8. I will lie down both in peace and sleep, for you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And uh, actually, as I was writing this the other day, I just really felt God say to me, there's people here, and you've got, you've got real problems when it comes to sleeping. And you've, you've been trying to get into sleep patterns or sleeping well, and it's just been a real, a real hard area in your life that doesn't seem to be going well. And, uh, and that. So I just want to pray for you right now. So wherever you are, if you can just close your eyes. Actually, if that's you, just while no one's looking around, if you're, you need a breakthrough with your sleep and it's holding you up and you can't move through this, just, just slip your hand up. I don't you know, want to pray for you. I feel like people just need to put their hands. Lord, we just pray this morning that, God, there would be a breakthrough, that we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, as it said in your word, you grant sleep and peace to those that you love. And I pray right now that there would just be a real breakthrough coming this week. Lord God, even tonight, we just command your sleep, God, Lord, your peace. Father God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that any anxiousness, any doubt, any fear, Lord God, would be gone. Lord, any disruptions, we speak against it in the name of Jesus. We bind it up. And Lord, we pray, God, Lord, we, reply, we release, God, that good sleep 
are common in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Number five. Number five of good habits is cultivate a life of service to others. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You know, yesterday we had just an incredible time uh, with Love the City. And uh, I don't know if many of you were here, but it was just an amazing, amazing outreach to just go out and love bomb on people in the city unexpectedly and uh, unaware of what people were doing. And uh, there are some photos. So do we have those photos? Are we able to put those up? And uh, I'll just, just mention some of those of what we did. So it was cool. So this, we got to go into Starship Hospital. And um, they led us in, and they were amazing. And the, the lady on ward shift there, she came, uh, and she said, look, come with me. And we, we just visited all these different staff areas in the hospital. Uh, and, you know, you can see what we've got, like juice and cakes and um, donuts and different things like that. And, I mean, the expression on people's faces, like you should have seen their expression. What could the bitch ever done that? Ever come in and said thank you? Uh, and, that. and so, we, you know, we got to go all around the different wards of the hospital, um, and you could tell by the expressions on their faces, they were just so blessed, so touched that people would take time out of their day to give them free stuff, to come in, just to say thank you for all that you do. Uh, and, that, and it was an incredible time. And, you know, the place was um, just brimming with excitement about what was going to happen. And, that, and it was an incredible event, getting together with different people, going out there and, uh, and just love bombing on the city. I'll tell you what, the team that put it together just the atmosphere and the, you know when you start doing stuff for other people and it just builds this kind of like, man, this is a feel-good moment. And you can imagine when there's several hundred people doing that, just the feeling it was. Uh, and, that, and so I was really also proud of some of our team that helped us put it together and everything they did. But cultivating a life of serving others is something that Jesus so modeled in his life. And Jesus was always distracted. He had people always trying to get his attention, but he took time for the one Person. He always stopped in the midst of a massive, you know, thousands of people. He would go to one person and he'd make time for that one individual. No matter whether they were lame or blind or wherever they were, he made time for them. And I wonder what's, what are the people in your life that you can start serving and making a life of serving others? And maybe it just starts by making a meal for your neighbor or buying your co-worker's coffee, washing the dishes at home for mum and dad. Serving in the kids' department or the setup team. Do you know what it really is? It's just finding a need and filling it. Starting there and letting God show you where the next steps are from there. But Jesus modeled this life of serving other people. And I believe that's something we need to adopt into our hearts and do regularly. Not just, I mean, it's great to do Love the City, but once a year, but doing something that's actually a part of what we're doing every day. So number six is share your faith every week with someone you meet as a habit. And how many of us do this, I wonder? How many, how many of us actually make this a part of our lives? Um, I believe, you know, we need to ask God for opportunities for actually just allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt us. And when those opportunities come, to take those opportunities. And um, we were just talking the other day, Katie and I, about our neighbors. And it was amazing how we started talking about how our neighbors, over the period of one week, all of them, different neighbors, came to our door and gave us something. And so I think it was on a Monday, our neighbor turned up. Uh, she'd just been down at her farm, and she turned up with all these avocados and eggs, and she's like, oh, man, I just want to give these to you guys. And just we've been down at the farm, and we're going to give them to you, and, you know, I hope you enjoy them. And we're like, man, that's awesome. And then a few days later, our neighbor was overseas, and she'd forgotten to park her car in the driveway, so she threw her keys through our bathroom window 
and call me to the way to the airport and say, hey, Jules, can you please move my car? Uh, and by the way, you can use my car for the next two weeks. Uh, just go for it. It's all yours. And, um, and, then, and I really actually needed a car for that space, so which was awesome. And then, um, and then on the Friday, uh, other neighbours came back from a fishing trip, and uh, they turned up with this whole, like, container full of smoked kawai. Oh, anyone? Yeah? You know, oh, man, yeah. And I was just like, oh, heaven. So it was so good. So all this um, fish that had just been caught that day, or, yeah, no, that day, um, and that, and I was just like, man, and I was sitting there going, you know, like, I know we're meant to be good neighbours, but I think sometimes how your neighbours treat you is a good indicator of what you're doing about sharing your faith. And, you know, we've made it, we've tried to make it this real habit of connecting with our neighbours, not just once a year when the church tells you to do it, but when it's actually, no, God, have it on my heart. You know, I need to actually be the light in this community. You know, you've placed me in this place for a reason. And, you know, if you think about this week from Monday to Friday, is there one thing you can do that's going to actually put this as something in your life? The studies have shown, if I think it's about 21 days to create a new habit in your life. You know, if you can do something over the next three weeks, once a week, becomes a habit in your life. And maybe it is just simply going over to your neighbours and taking some, some baking or just going over and saying hi and catching up with them uh, or doing something for someone in your workplace. You know, I bet you there's someone in your workplace right now that needs encouragement, that needs someone to come alongside them and just say, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing well? You know? Or just getting alongside them and treating them well. But making this a habit in your life. Sometimes it doesn't even mean words. You don't have to preach Jesus to them. You can just do it through your actions, through who you are. I remember being in New Zealand, and, um, and often you know, people would ask me about church and God and things like that. But it wasn't so much what I said that really ever probably made much of a difference. It was just who I was. You know, it was the fact that I didn't always go out drinking with all of them. It was the fact that I didn't swear when I was there. The fact that, you know, on Sundays I went to church and it was just part of what I did because I believed that was something that, you know, was important to my faith. Uh, it, was, it was simple things, but it was just who I was that probably made the biggest difference to the people I was working with. And, uh, and, that, and so I encourage you this week to look at that. You know, that's the heartbeat of New Zealand and beyond right there, sharing your faith with those that God has put around you. Maybe it is your neighbours or your friends or your co-workers. But, you know, make it a habit in your life to share your faith. 1 Peter 3 in the Message Bible, I really like this, says, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. And always with the utmost courtesy, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. So good. So number seven in our last habit is give generously Give generously, just that. And uh, I've actually run out of time, so I'm just going to shoot through this one. But Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you give back. You know, the biblical principles to the way we live are so different to the way the world operates today. You know, give and it will be given to you. And often we sit, I think, sometimes on the edge of our faith and we think, okay, God, you prove to me and then I'll prove to you. You know, you, you make it work for me and then I'll be in. You know, this whole thing of all in. It's like kind of conditional sometimes in our faith. You know, God, if I see your hand here, then I'm in all in. You know, God, if you answer this prayer here, then, yeah, then I'll start doing this. 
I think sometimes with our generosity, and I'm, I'm not just talking really about money, I'm just talking about how we're gener- generous in our time, generous in our encouragement, generous in our grace towards people. And often we're waiting maybe for sometimes it to be given to us to freely reciprocate. But the Bible says, no, 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 start with yourself. Be the change that you want to see in the place around you. So be generous. Give generously. Give of your time, of your money, of whatever talents that God's given to you. Because in giving, you will build others up and you yourself will be built up. And, you know, I know this scripture back to front in my life. You know, as I've served over the years in church, I've just seen God pull back so much more in my life. I think I started playing, like, music in church when I was about two. No, not really. Probably about 12 years old. And uh, my mum was the music director at our Baptist church, so I really had no option. Uh, and she was a piano player. She actually played one of those upright, you know, acoustic pianos. She would never play a keyboard. I remember when the church got a keyboard, and she was just like, oh, I'm never playing that thing. <laughs> I'm glad there's some people that play keyboards at the moment. And uh, I had to play drums. I didn't have an option. It didn't matter if I worked graveyard shift at KFC from 12 to 8 in the morning. I was on drums. So I used to turn up to play the drums, reeking of oil and KFC drippings. It was gross, man. And, uh, and I used to turn up and I'd change and I'd sit there and, um, and I'd just play every week for about six years, play drums. And then I don't know if I got better in those six years that I played. And uh, eventually I started playing guitar and then, and then singing and things like that. And I remember we had a year out when we went to Christchurch with our family and I just served in, I didn't want to do music, so I started serving in the sound team uh, and really enjoyed it. But, uh, and then, you know, I've done things like I served on a Friday night doing Friday fun night for kids, kids between the ages of 7 and 11. Uh, and, that, and it was awesome, man. We used to have so much fun. Uh, and then when at, at our old church when I was little, I used to help um, with an after-school program, just, you know, hanging out with kids and enjoying things together. Uh, and then when I ran the worship ministry of Church Unlimited, I used, to, I used to get up on a stage all the time. And I used to get this feeling of like, man, people only see me on a stage. So I had this conviction to go and help serve breakfast in a school. And, uh, and the only reason I did it was because I just wanted to do something where no one saw what I was doing. Uh, I don't even know if that's spiritual, but that was just where I was at. And so I used to go into the school at 7 or 8 a.m. And all these kids would turn up in Henderson to the school. Uh, and we'd serve breakfast, and, that, and then we'd play all these games and hang out. Um, but we used to have the best time. And I think back to those days, and often, often wonder, you know, God, all of those times of giving out, I never look back and go, oh, stink, I had to do that. Oh, someone's asked me to do that. What a bummer. You know, all those times, you'd be the mornings where you maybe didn't want to, but in sowing, in giving, in just being generous and making it a habit, I feel like God has taken all of that seen all of that, and just slowly rewarded over the years different things in my life and our life. And so I just encourage you, you know, when someone asks you to do something, don't see it as a like, oh, if I have to, but take that as an opportunity. God, help me to grow. God, how can I be more generous with what you want to do in my life? And, that, and I truly believe when you give, it comes back to you in return, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for more and more will be poured into your lap. So those seven habits, um, you know, let's have those up on the screen. Let's have those up. So number one is um, praying daily. I think we've got a slide there. there they are. So Christ-like habits. Number one, pray daily. Number two, read and obey the Word of God. Number three, eat a good diet and exercise regularly. Number four, get proper sleep every day. Five, cultivate a life of service to others. Share your faith every week with someone you meet. And number seven, give generously. And 
I just want to finish with this story. Uh, and I heard recently that sometimes when it comes to habits, there's this thing called a keystone habit. And a keystone habit is something that when you do this habit, a lot of other things start coming into place. It's almost like this is the key thing which is going to help you get into habits in other areas of your life. Uh, and this is something that's been researched and looked into. Um, and, that, and so there was a man by the name of Paul O'Neill, and he became the CEO of Alcoa, a huge aluminium manufacturer in the 1987. And he started his first speech to the company with the words, I want to talk to you about worker safety, OSH. And this inevitably led to investors calling their clients and telling them that the board has put a crazy hippie in charge and he's going to kill the company. However, when Paul retired in the year 2000, the company's net income had quadrupled, uh, quantupled, sorry, uh, five times on its profits just from making sure that no one staples their foot to the ground while working. And as it turned out, optimizing safety at work was the keystone habit that streamlined the entire production process of the company. And O'Neill's legacy still lives on today. In 2010, over 80% of Alcoa's locations worldwide did not lose one single employee day due to injuries. If you think about that, that's incredible as a manufacturing business. Not one employee day due to injuries. So this keystone habit set in motion everything else that that business needed to get in place. And with that list of habits that was up there, those seven habits, I guess I wonder what habit, you know, God's been speaking to you through that list that's a keystone habit in that that's going to help you get other areas just coming into, I don't know, coming into much more of a working together. And maybe there's one of those that, you know, God's really been putting on your heart. Actually, this is a habit. This is an area where I really need to bring to God uh, and get back into that habit about. So if I can just have the worship team just come right now. And uh, I love that story because, you know, it highlights that sometimes, you know, sometimes the most difficult areas of our lives, sometimes the most struggling thing we're going through can be the key for setting everything else in motion. And uh, Romans 12, 2, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So why don't we stand this morning, church, and uh, we're just going to go maybe back into that song, His presence is an open